Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 46. Today we are coming out of Luke chapter 19 as we make our way uh, closer each day to chapter 24, um, ending on Christmas. I want to thank you for taking the time to stop in uh, or to follow this if it's your first time or maybe repeat visit. I appreciate you. I hope God speaks to you through his word. I do want to say a special thanks um, as this podcast has been going through, I guess it was about maybe June when it started. Um, and so just as we have gone through this and the Lord has multiplied it, I just want to say I'm thankful to everyone who has taken the time to to listen, to see what, what the Lord may you know, impart through what He lays on my heart. So far, this is reached 24 countries, 24 unique countries, and over 2,000 um, plays or downloads. Um, I'm just blown away by how God has multiplied it, and so I'm thankful, and uh, I just appreciate you. So we will uh, jump into Luke chapter 19. This is Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So notice that in verse 3, he wanted to see who Jesus was. So there was a, there was a curiosity, you could say, in the heart of Zacchaeus. He wanted to see him. And so because of his desire, he was willing to, as we'll read, do whatever was necessary so that he could encounter Jesus. But it says since he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So think of that as you know obstacles we all each individually face that are specific and unique to our situation. Zacchaeus was a short man. He couldn't see over the crowd. But because of his specific um, difficulty or trial or struggle, he had to overcome it in a unique way that was specific to him. Verse 4 says, So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. You know, it's, it's, it's very fascinating to me that Zacchaeus, he was eager to see Jesus it says he wanted to see who he was. And 
he goes from wanting to see him to actually being able to host his presence at his own home. I mean, what an honor this would be for someone who was really only hoping to lay eyes on him, much less interact with him personally and intimately. But that's exactly that's exactly how Jesus operates. The people who who think they're the they're the elite, the they have it figured out, they are expecting him to to do a certain thing through them because of how they have arrived and their status and their you know all of their, their you could say their resume Jesus takes great pleasure in using those whom are the least likely are the the ones that what we may call um, an underdog in uh, the United States this is um, this is something that Jesus actually enjoys doing and and one aspect is absolutely it it disarms the the pride or the arrogance that says well I made this happen because I am XYZ so um, God is able to get more glory from using those who and in, in encountering those who um, by all rights and measures have no business being in, uh, personally engaged with I mean remember this Zacchaeus it says he was a tax collector not only a tax collector but he was a chief tax collector so he was he was a as though the the kingpin of the most disreputable professions he was the elite of the disreputation and so he goes from trying to just behold him which is i believe a, a perfect place of where we must actually begin it must start from this place of of beholding christ and from that place we're invited into just like we see with jesus here as he encountered him he invites him really he invites himself to zacchaeus's house but that's the progression we behold him and and we and we are willing to ascend the hill the mountain of the lord this speaks of our you know the difficulties that we face climbing up you know it's not an easy way up a mountain but uh, who will ascend the mountain or the hill of the lord um, those with a clean heart and and so the i believe it's the psalms writer uh, speaks of in that but and this is a, a a great picture of that verse 6 it says so he came down at once so he was invited and he had to respond and Zacchaeus it says welcomed him gladly now all the people saw this and began to mutter he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, 
Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Now, remember, we not long ago um, saw the the story of the um, the rich man. I guess it was yesterday, really, in chapter 18. And he he commends himself on keeping all of those commandments that Jesus had said since he was a little boy and, and Jesus saw that he lacked something. Sell everything that you have and give your treasure or give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And so he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Now, so too, tax collectors tended to be, um, to have sufficient means but even more so this chief tax collector um, and it explicitly tells us in the text he was wealthy and so this Zacchaeus is quite different in the sense that of how he responds now Jesus actually didn't tell him to do this this was something this was an expression of his heart and Look at what Jesus has said to him in verse 9. Today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Hmm. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Hmm. Now, this story doesn't document every aspect that I'm sure happened with Zacchaeus and Jesus. There was much, you know, he ended up coming to his house and interacting. And, and so there's a lot of the story that we don't know. Um, but I will just kind of leave you with a thought here. At what point in this documentation of what happened... At what point would you classically define salvation occurring with Zacchaeus? Because Jesus, he says, today salvation has come to this house. Now, you know, there may be some that say, well, today salvation, being Jesus, came to his house. Well, that's true. Uh, Jesus is... Um, embodied salvation and he technically came to Zacchaeus's house but um, I believe more so than that Jesus is actually testifying that s salvation has occurred to Zacchaeus and now he is considered a son of Abraham now he um well we'll just we'll we'll just leave it there today salvation has come to this house so kind of ponder on that a bit of what is it about this inter interaction that would justify this Jesus definition of salvation coming to this man Zacchaeus. 
I think that just to kind of give you some parameters, it it challenges our preconceptions of the the path of salvation and what we traditionally define in those parameters of how to how to be saved and what does that look like so moving on verse 11 while they were listening to this he went on to tell them a parable because he was near jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of god was going to appear at once he said a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minus. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for his servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter. Take charge of ten cities. Wow, what an exchange when you think about that, ten minas. You know, he, he, got, um, he got a mina. And, uh, sir, your mina has earned ten more. And so... He, he was then, there was an exchange that happened. Ten more minas won him ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. Hmm. Are you noticing a trend there? Ten cities bore him ten, uh, or ten minas bore him ten cities. Five minas uh, bore this man five cities. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow? Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. Sir, they said, he already has ten. He replied, I tell you that everyone who has more will be given. Pay, pay close attention to that. Who, everyone who has, more will be given. We find ourselves getting very judgmental of people who have, and they seem to be continually and um, um, repetitively blessed. We, there tends to be quite a, um, a judgment about that, a suspicion even. But, but Jesus, in this parable, tells them, Everyone who has, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, 
bring them here and kill them in front of me. Hmm. So this, this king, this master, he was interested in a harvest. He wanted fruit of his investment. The same is true of our um, father, of our God and Christ, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. It is, it is imperative that we have and produce fruit. It is, he is interested in harvest. And he is not interested in, in burying what you're given to protect it so that it can just be returned. Verse 28, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord has needs, or the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. Have you ever, have you ever wondered why was it that all that they needed to say to not be bothered by the owners, all they needed to say was, the Lord needs it. Have you ever kind of paused to consider why that might be? I think that um, very likely and I truly believe this, is that God had spoken to their hearts ahead of time and gave them the directive that, um, that there will be one who needs this, and they will say, the Lord needs it. And you're not to trouble them or stop them or uh, prohibit them. So I believe that's... I believe that was spoken in advance to the owners and they were able to confirm that word to them and nothing, nothing came of it. Verse 36, As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples came... Um, began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you... Even you had only known on this day what, what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and, and hem you in on every side. They will dash you on the ground or to the ground, you and the children within your walls. 
They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Every day he was teaching at the temple, but the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Yet they could not find any way to do it, because all the people hung on his words. What an encouragement it is to know that when God wants to accomplish a work, nothing can stand in his way. And I pray that as we discover and explore his words through scripture and by keeping our ears tuned to his speaking, I pray that we too hang on every word that he says, filled with excitement, enjoyment, amazement, and awe, uh, wonder uh, at the glory of what is coming out of his holy book and out of his anointed mouth to our ears that are willing and eager to hear. So I pray that this is a blessing to you and uh, we'll see you on the next one. God bless. I would trade a million lifetimes for a moment here.